Hi, this is Anne-Marie Howard with Ayers LA, and I'm talking with Dr. Kent Small. Dr. Small received his medical degree from Tulane University in Louisiana, and he completed a residency in ophthalmology and a fellowship in vitreoretinal surgery at Duke University in Durham, North Carolina. He established a reputation as an expert in medical and surgical treatment of retinal diseases with special expertise in genetics. He was a professor of ophthalmology and a member of the retina service at the Jewel Stein Eye Institute at UCLA. Dr. Small currently directs the Macula and Retina Institute in Los Angeles. Small's research has focused on molecular genetics and inherited eye diseases. Hi, Dr. Small. Uh, hi. <laughs> you lectured today. What did you What did you speak here about? Yeah, today's uh, discussion and lecture was primarily on kind of the basics of clinical issues involving age-related macular degeneration. Uh, everything from risk factors to diagnosis to, to management and treatments. Well, talk to us a bit about diagnosis. How does a person know that they have macular degeneration? Yeah, that's actually really important. Um, oftentimes, the patient isn't aware of it until they start experiencing some vision loss, primarily in the center of the vision or distortion in the center of the vision. However, by the time that's occurring, they've usually already had the macular degeneration for several years. So a good dilated eye exam um, will usually detect it even earlier before there is vision loss. So it's safe to say that if you're getting an annual eye exam, that that would be detected? If they're dilating the pupils and taking a good look at the back of the eye. If they're doing the thorough exam. Which is not generally done for glasses in, in, in a quote-unquote routine eye exam that may or may not be done. Now, would you recommend that when you do go for your eye exam that you ask for that as well? Yes. And what, what would you ask your eye doctor for then, specifically? A, a dilated retina exam. Okay. All right. And tell us about some of the research that's being done. Is there anything that you're particularly excited about that's happening right now in the field? Oh, there's all sorts of areas of research in macular degeneration. The, the most exciting, I think, is uh, but most of the stuff that's going on currently is not a cure for the disease. We don't have a cure for this disease right now. Um, we have ways of managing it better, and we have ways of slowing down the progression better, but there's no cure. If you want to go for the punchline, which is really the cure, I, my view of this is we need some sort of tissue replacement because there's loss of tissue in the macula, in the retina, which is irreversible currently. Is and, there a way can, we could re achieve that, actually? Well, yes, and I think it's going to be, I think it'll be with uh, stem cells in some form. That's the only way that we can replace tissue. Right now, we can't get the tissue to regenerate by itself, nor do I see anything on the horizon that would allow us to do that. So I think it's going to be in the stem cell arena. And you're already working in that arena, aren't you, with uh, some studies that are being done now? Yes, in animals. In, and rats in particular? Yeah, rat, rats. <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, there's, um, uh, the, there's a, a group that I've been working with, and actually the main scientist is now a patient of mine, too. Uh, which began in Russia when we were using human em human embryonic stem cells, the, the Bush non-allowed variety. And so we were doing a lot of the research over in Moscow for a long time. And then this same scientist uh, developed a technique of parthogenetically making stem cells, which basically means taking an unfertilized human egg and by various chemical methods in a petri dish in a laboratory, tricking it into thinking that it's fertilized. Mm. And then the cell goes on to replicate and divide and make more cells. And it's those cells that you then harvest or pluck, for lack of a better word, and grow in another 
set of media conditions or soup, for lack of a better word, and can push that cell to develop down into the retinal cell line. Um, and right now, this company has uh, has the uh, license for turning human embryonic stem cells and these parthenogenetically derived stem cells uh, into human retinal pigment epithelial cells. And currently, we're putting those in rats. The biggest problem we have having at the moment is we're putting a human cell into a rat. Mm. So the rat's immune system sees that as foreign and tries to destroy, to it, it, tries probably. to reject it. So we have to immuno, we have to immunosuppress these rats. Immunosuppress. What does that mean exactly? Put them on immunosuppressant drugs. Oh. Cyclosporin. And that doesn't interfere is, with the testing at all? No, it doesn't interfere with the testing, but it's not necessarily as effective as you'd like. Yeah. Cyclosporin is a drug that's been around, I guess, I don't know, 15, 20, probably 20 years. It's used in like uh, to help prevent kidney rejection in kidney transplant patients and oh. such. So rat, rats are a good thing for our society, it would seem. Yeah, except for the one I saw last night. <laughs> oh, dear. But you know, we don't want to hear about that, yeah. No, I'm serious. We had a visitor last night. But anyway, <laughs> the, the, the rats that we use in the laboratory, they're, they're called the RCS rat, Royal Co- College of Surgeon Rat. Hmm. And it's a rat with a um, naturally occurring mutation in a gene that progressively destroys its retinal pigment epithelial cells, which makes it blind. Oh. So it's the original three blind mice that the rats... And rat, rats' eyes are a little bigger, so they're easier to work with than mice, mice eyeballs. Very interesting, so, yeah. So rats are interesting, yeah. So that's where that's what's going on now with this. That's fascinating. Uh, just so you know, as the listener, we are sitting on the steps of the Skirball Center, and you may be hearing some traffic going by and some people. Uh, Dr. Small just spoke inside at the event today, and you'll be able to hear his lecture by clicking on the podcast for Dr. Small. Thank you so much for talking with us. I really appreciate appreciate seeing you again. Oh, sure. Thank you. Anything else you want to say before we sign off? Anything that you want to make sure people know that could be helpful for them? Um, the incidence of macular degeneration increases tremendously after the age of 60, even more so after 70. Uh, they need to get dilated fundoscopic retina examinations. And if you have it or if you have a family history of it, you know, you need to take a special set of antioxidant vitamins with vitamin C, E, beta carotene, and zinc, um, fish oil capsules, spinach five times a week, fish twice a week, baby aspirin. And uh, that will help put the odds in your favor for keeping your vision. And I know one of the other things you've spoken about in the past is no smoking. No smoking. Yeah, smoking is hugely bad for the macula. And basically almost anything, I mean, to some degree, those things I just rambled off, um, or I sound like a cardiologist, and most everything that's good for your macula is good for your heart and vice versa. Right. So those, those vitamins, you would say, are quite essential to good health then for the eye. Yes. Mm-hmm. As well as the heart, as well as our whole body. Although those vitamins for the, for the heart haven't been demonstrated to be that effective. Hmm. But, but they are useful for macular degeneration. Excellent. Thank you so much, Dr. Small. And thank you, listeners. This was Airs LA. <laughs>